Hey everyone, welcome back to week three of The Wizard of Oz. I'm in my living room, not in the studio, or I'm in my kitchen actually, not in the studio this week. And just talking to you and hoping everyone's doing good. We are at book four of The Wizard of Oz, book three about Dorothy. I'm hanging out here with some cool babies. I'm not a baby! You're not a baby. Okay, you're not a baby. I'm hanging out with some cool kids. How do you feel about that? Um, a kid. Okay, you're a kid. All right, thank you so much. And that was Minnie, who's helping me uh, produce the show this week. So, do you do you like The Wizard of Oz, Minnie? I've never seen that. You've never seen The Wizard of Oz? Yeah. What's your favorite, uh, what's your favorite book? Um, uh, any book in my turquoise back? Okay, um, what books would those be? Um, do you know? Um, you know, I have the counting, um, bug one, and even I did, and even, um, it's with a ladybug, and even, on the, um, she asked all the bugs, she, she lifted at her teeth, and even all the cakes, but there was no bite, but then the bugs came! All right, Bugs came. That's pretty cool. So, how are you doing? Are you, are you having a good week, Minerva? Yeah, but and even there's, a, there's one in the, on the book rack. Yeah, there's one on the book rack? Um, which is, which is about Paw Patrol! Paw Patrol, okay. All right, so your favorite things right now are Pokemon, Paw Patrol, and Frozen? Yeah, even... Yeah, even... Power um, Rangers could have uh, Tal you like Power Rangers too, okay? Cause you, Minnie, you want to be a ninja? Yeah. Yeah, you want to be a ninja. Well, there's no ninjas in the Wizard of Oz, but there is bunny slippers from BunnySlippers.com in this advertisement. Thank you so much, Minnie. Do you like the bunny slipper, bunny slippers, the fuzzy cow slippers in the front room? No, Easter was two days ago. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to Black Clock Audio Tales. <laughs> it's been an interesting week, and we all hope you're doing well, and we hope you're keeping warm, and you've got cool stuff like bunny slippers and found item clothing. Thank you so much. Remember to help support the show by going to Facebook, Instagram, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, any place that you find out about our podcast that you can tell other people about it or recommend it and rate and review. That really helps the show. And yeah, Dorothy and the Wizard, here we go. The Nine Tiny Piglets After breakfast, Ozma announced that she had ordered a holiday to be observed throughout the Emerald City in honor of her visitors. The people had learned that their old wizard had returned to them, and all were anxious to see him again, for he had always been a rare favorite. So first there was to be a grand procession through the streets, after which the little old man was requested to perform some of his wizardries in the great throne room of the palace. In the afternoon there were to be games and races. The procession was very imposing. First came the Imperial Cornet Band of Oz, dressed in emerald velvet uniforms, with slashes of pea-green satin and buttons of immense cut emeralds. They played the national air called the Oz Spangled Banner, and behind them were the standard bearers with the royal flag. 
This flag was divided into four quarters, one being colored sky blue, another pink, a third lavender, and a fourth white. In the center was a large emerald green star, and all over the four quarters were sewn spangles that glittered beautifully in the sunshine. The colors represented the four countries of Oz and the green star, the Emerald City. Just behind the royal standard bearers came the Princess Ozma in her royal chariot, which was of gold encrusted with emeralds and diamonds set in exquisite designs. The chariot was drawn on this occasion by the cowardly lion and the hungry tiger, who were decorated with immense pink and blue bows. In the chariot rode Ozma and Dorothy, the former in splendid raiment and wearing her royal coronet, while the little Kansas girl wore around her waist the magic belt she had once captured from the Nome King. Following the chariot came the scarecrow mounted on the sawhorse, and the people cheered him almost as loudly as they did their lovely ruler. Behind him stalked with regular jerky steps the famous machine man called Tick-Tock, who had been wound up by Dorothy for the occasion. Tick-Tock moved by clockwork and was made all of burnished copper. He really belonged to the Kansas girl who had much respect for his thoughts after they had been properly wound and set going, but as the copper man would be useless in any place but a fairy country, Dorothy had left him in charge of Ozma, who saw that he was suitably cared for. There followed another band after this, which was called the Royal Court Band, because the members all lived in the palace. They wore white uniforms with real diamond buttons and played What is Oz Without Ozma very sweetly. Then came Professor Wogglebug with a group of students from the Royal College of Scientific Athletics. The boys wore long hair and striped sweaters and yelled their college yell every other step they took to the great satisfaction of the populace, which was glad to have this evidence that their lungs were in good condition. The brilliantly polished tin woodman marched next at the head of the Royal Army of Oz, which consisted of twenty-eight officers, from generals down to captains. There were no privates in the army, because all were so courageous and skillful that they had been promoted one by one until there were no privates left. Jim and the buggy followed, the old cab horse being driven by Zeb, while the wizard stood up on the seat and bowed his bald head right and left in answer to the cheers of the people who crowded thick about him. Taken altogether, the procession was a grand success, and when it had returned to the palace, the citizens crowded into the great throne room to see the wizard perform his tricks. The first thing the little humbug did was to produce a tiny white piglet from underneath his hat and pretend to pull it apart, making two. This act he repeated until all of the nine tiny piglets were visible and they were so glad to get out of his pocket that they ran around in a very lively manner. The pretty little creatures would have been a novelty anywhere, so the people were as amazed and delighted at their appearance as even the wizard could have desired. When he had made them all disappear again, Ozma declared she was sorry they were gone, for she wanted one of them to pet and play with. So the wizard, pretending to take one of the piglets out of the hair of the princess, while really he slyly took it from his inside pocket, and Ozma smiled joyously as the creature nestled in her arms, 
and she promised to have an emerald collar made for its fat neck and to keep the little squealer always at hand to amuse her. Afterward, it was noticed that the wizard always performed his famous trick with eight piglets, but it seemed to please the people just as well as if there had been nine of them. In his little room back of the throne room, the wizard had found a lot of things he had left behind him when he went away in the balloon, for no one had occupied the apartment in his absence. There was enough material there to enable him to prepare several new tricks which he had learned from some of the jugglers in the circus, and he had passed part of the night in getting them ready. So he followed the trick of the nine tiny piglets with several other wonderful feats that greatly delighted his audience, and the people did not seem to care a bit whether the little man was a humbug wizard or not, so long as he succeeded in amusing them. They applauded all his tricks, and at the end of the performance begged him earnestly not to go away again and leave them. In that case, said the little man gravely, I will cancel all of my engagements before the crowned heads of Europe and America, and devote myself to the people of Oz, for I love you all so well that I can deny you nothing. After the people had been dismissed with this promise, our friends joined Princess Ozma at an elaborate luncheon in the palace, where even the tiger and the lion were sumptuously fed, and Jim the cab-horse ate his oatmeal out of a golden bowl with seven rows of rubies, sapphires, and diamonds set around the rim of it. In the afternoon they all went to a great field outside the city gates, where the games were to be held. There was a beautiful canopy for Ozma and her guests to sit under and watch the people run races and jump and wrestle, you may be sure the folks of Oz did their best with such a distinguished company watching them. And finally Zeb offered to wrestle with a little munchkin who seemed to be the champion. In appearance he was twice as old as Zeb, for he had long pointed whiskers and wore a peaked hat with little bells all around the brim of it, which tinkled gaily as he moved. But although the munchkin was hardly tall enough to come to Zeb's shoulder, he was so strong and clever that he laid the boy three times on his back with apparent ease. Zeb was greatly astonished at his defeat, and when the pretty princess joined her people in laughing at him, he proposed a boxing match with the munchkin, to which the little Ozite readily agreed. But the first time that Zeb managed to give him a sharp box on the ears, the munchkin sat down upon the ground and cried until the tears ran down his whiskers because he had been hurt. This made Zeb laugh in turn, and the boy felt comforted to find that Ozma laughed as merrily at her weeping subject as she had at him. Just then the scarecrow proposed a race between the sawhorse and the cabhorse, and although all the others were delighted at the suggestion, the sawhorse drew back, saying, Such a race would not be fair. Of course not, added Jim with a touch of scorn. Those little wooden legs of yours are not half as long as my own. It isn't that, said the sawhorse modestly. But I never tire, and you do. Bah, cried Jim, looking with great disdain at the other. Do you imagine for an instant that such a shabby imitation of a horse as you are can run as fast as I? I don't know, I'm sure, replied the sawhorse. 
That is what we are trying to find out, remarked the Scarecrow. The object of a race is to see who can win it, or at least that is what my excellent brains think. Once when I was young, said Jim, I was a racehorse and defeated all who dared run against me. I was born in Kentucky, you know, where all the best and most aristocratic horses come from. But you're old now, Jim, suggested Zeb. Old? Why, I feel like a colt today, replied Jim. I only wish there was a real horse here for me to race with. I'd show the people a fine sight, I can tell you. Then why not race with the sawhorse? inquired the scarecrow. He's afraid, said Jim. Oh, no, answered the sawhorse. I merely said it wasn't fair. But if my friend, the real horse, is willing to undertake the race, I am quite ready. So they unharnessed Jim and took the saddle off the sawhorse, and the two queerly matched animals were stood side by side for the start. When I say go, Zeb called to them, you must dig out and race until you reach those three trees you see over yonder, then circle round them and come back again. The first one that passes the place where the princess sits shall be named the winner. Are you ready? I suppose I ought to give the wooden dummy a good start of me, growled Jim. Never mind that, said the sawhorse. I'll do the best I can. Go! cried Zeb, and at the word the two horses leaped forward and the race was begun. Jim's big hooves pounded away at a great rate, and although he did not look very graceful, he ran in a way to do credit to his Kentucky breeding. But the sawhorse was swifter than the wind. Its wooden legs moved so fast that their twinkling could scarcely be seen, and although so much smaller than the cab horse, It covered the ground much faster. Before they had reached the trees, the sawhorse was far ahead, and the wooden animal returned to the starting place and was being lustily cheered by the Ozites before Jim came panting up to the canopy where the princess and her friends were seated. I am sorry to record the fact that Jim was not only ashamed of his defeat, but for a moment lost control of his temper. As he looked at the comical face of the sawhorse, he imagined that the creature was laughing at him. So, in a fit of unreasonable anger, he turned around and made a vicious kick that sent his rival tumbling head over heels upon the ground and broke off one of its legs and its left ear. An instant later, the tiger crouched and launched its huge body through the air, swift and resistless as a ball from a cannon. The beast struck Jim full on his shoulder and sent the astonished cab horse rolling over and over amid shouts of delight from the spectators, who had been horrified by the ungracious act he had been guilty of. When Jim came to himself and sat upon his haunches, He found the cowardly lion crouched on one side of him and the hungry tiger on the other, and their eyes were glowing like balls of fire. I beg your pardon, I'm sure, said Jim meekly. I was wrong to kick the sawhorse, and I am sorry I became angry at him. He has won the race and won it fairly, but what can a horse of flesh do against a tireless beast of wood? Hearing this apology, 
the tiger and the lion stopped lashing their tails and retreated with dignified steps to the side of the princess. No one must injure one of our friends in our presence, growled the lion, and Zeb ran to Jim and whispered that unless he controlled his temper in the future, he would probably be torn to pieces. Then the tin woodman cut a straight and strong limb from a tree with his gleaming axe and made a new leg and a new ear for the sawhorse. And when they had been securely fastened in place, Princess Ozma took the coronet from her own head and placed it upon that of the winner of the race. Said she, My friend, I reward you for your swiftness by proclaiming you Prince of Horses, whether of wood or of flesh, and hereafter all other horses, in the land of Oz at least, must be considered imitations, and you the real champion of your race. There was more applause at this, and then Ozma had the jeweled saddle replaced upon the sawhorse, and herself rode the victor back to the city at the head of the grand procession. I ought to be a fairy, grumbled Jim, as he slowly drew the buggy home, for to be just an ordinary horse in a fairy country is to be of no account whatever. It's no place for us, Zeb. It's lucky we got here, though, said the boy. And Jim thought of the dark cave and agreed with him. End of chapter 17 The Trial of Eureka the Kitten Several days of festivity and merrymaking followed, for such good friends did not often meet, and there was much to be told and talked over between them, and many amusements to be enjoyed in this delightful country. Ozma was happy to have Dorothy beside her, for girls of her own age, with whom it was proper for the princess to associate, were very few, and often the youthful ruler of Oz was lonely for lack of companionship. It was the third morning after Dorothy's arrival, and she was sitting with Ozma and their friends in a reception room, talking over old times, when the princess said to her maid, "'Please go to my boudoir, Jellia, and get the white piglet I left on the dressing-table.' I want to play with it. Jellia at once departed on the errand, and she was gone so long that they had almost forgotten her mission when the green-robed maiden returned with a troubled face. The piglet is not there, your highness, said she. Not there, exclaimed Ozma. Are you sure? I have hunted in every part of the room, the maid replied. Was not the door closed? asked the princess. "'Yes, your highness, I am sure it was, for when I opened it, Dorothy's white kitten crept out and ran up the stairs.' Hearing this, Dorothy and the wizard exchanged startled glances, for they remembered how often Eureka had longed to eat a piglet. The little girl jumped up at once. "'Come, Ozma,' she said anxiously. "'Let us go ourselves to search for the piglet.' So the two went to the dressing-room of the princess, and searched carefully in every corner and among the vases and baskets and ornaments that stood about the pretty boudoir. But not a trace could they find of the tiny creature they sought. Dorothy was nearly weeping by this time, while Ozma was angry and indignant. When they returned to the others, the princess said, there is little doubt that my pretty piglet has been eaten by that horrid kitten, and if that is true, the offender must be punished. I don't believe Eureka would do such a dreadful thing, 
cried Dorothy, much distressed. Go and get my kitten, please, Jellia, and we'll hear what she has to say about it. The green maiden hastened away, but presently returned and said, The kitten will not come. She threatened to scratch my eyes out if I touched her. Where is she? asked Dorothy. Under the bed in your own room, was the reply. So Dorothy ran to her room and found the kitten under the bed. Come here, Eureka, she said. I won't, answered the kitten in a surly voice. Oh, Eureka, why are you so bad? The kitten did not reply. If you don't come to me right away, continued Dorothy, getting provoked, I'll take my magic belt and wish you in the country of the gurgles. Why do you want me? asked Eureka, disturbed by this threat. You must go to Princess Ozma. She wants to talk to you. All right, returned the kitten, creeping out. I'm not afraid of Ozma or anyone else. Dorothy carried her in her arms back to where the others sat in grieved and thoughtful silence. Tell me, Eureka, said the princess gently, did you eat my pretty piglet? I won't answer such a foolish question, asserted Eureka with a snarl. Oh, yes, you will, dear, Dorothy declared. The piglet is gone, and you ran out of the room when Jellia opened the door. So if you are innocent, Eureka, you must tell the princess how you came to be in her room and what has become of the piglet. Who accuses me? asked the kitten defiantly. No one, answered Ozma. Your actions alone accuse you. The fact is that I left my little pet in my dressing room, lying asleep upon the table, and you must have stolen in without my knowing it. When next the door was opened, you ran out and hid yourself, and the piglet was gone. That is none of my business, growled the kitten. Don't be impudent, Eureka, admonished Dorothy. It is you who are impudent, said Eureka, for accusing me of such a crime when you can't prove it except by guessing. Ozma was now greatly incensed by the kitten's conduct. She summoned her captain general, and when the long lean officer appeared, she said, Carry this cat away to prison and keep her in safe confinement until she is tried by law for the crime of murder. So the Captain General took Eureka from the arms of the now weeping Dorothy, and in spite of the kitten's snarls and scratches, carried it away to prison. What shall we do now? asked the Scarecrow with a sigh, for such a crime had cast a gloom over all the company. I will summon the court to meet in the throne room at three o'clock, replied Ozma. I myself will be the judge, and the kitten shall have a fair trial. What will happen if she is guilty? asked Dorothy. She must die, answered the princess. Nine times? inquired the scarecrow. As many times as is necessary, was the reply. I will ask the tin woodman to defend the prisoner, because he has such a kind heart. I am sure he will do his best to save her. And the woggle bug shall be the public accuser, because he is so learned that no one can deceive him. Who will be the jury? asked the tin woodman. There ought to be several animals on the jury, said Ozma, because animals understand each other better than we people understand them. So the jury shall consist of the cowardly lion, the hungry tiger, Jim the cab horse, the yellow hen, the scarecrow, the wizard, Tick-Tock, the machine man, 
the sawhorse, and Zeb of Hugson's ranch. That makes the nine which the law requires, and all my people shall be admitted to hear the testimony. They now separated to prepare for the sad ceremony, for whenever an appeal is made to law, sorrow is almost certain to follow, even in a fairyland like Oz. But it must be stated that the people of that land were generally so well behaved that there was not a single lawyer amongst them, and it had been years since any ruler had sat in judgment upon an offender of the law. The crime of murder being the most dreadful crime of all, tremendous excitement prevailed in the Emerald City when the news of Eureka's arrest and trial became known. The wizard, when he returned to his own room, was exceedingly thoughtful. He had no doubt Eureka had eaten his piglet, but he realized that a kitten cannot be depended upon at all times to act properly, since its nature is to destroy small animals and even birds for food, and the tame cat that we keep in our houses today is descended from the wild cat of the jungle, a very ferocious creature indeed. The wizard knew that if Dorothy's pet was found guilty and condemned to death, the little girl would be made very unhappy, so although he grieved over the piglet's sad fate as much as any of them, he resolved to save Eureka's life. Sending for the tin woodman, the wizard took him into a corner and whispered, My friend, it is your duty to defend the white kitten and try to save her, but I fear you will fail because Eureka has long wished to eat a piglet, to my certain knowledge, and my opinion is that she has been unable to resist the temptation. Yet her disgrace and death would not bring back the piglet, but only serve to make Dorothy unhappy, so I intend to prove the kitten's innocence by a trick. He drew from his inside pocket one of the eight tiny piglets that were remaining, and continued, This creature you must hide in some safe place, and if the jury decides that Eureka is guilty, you may then produce this piglet and claim it is the one that was lost. All the piglets are exactly alike, so no one can dispute your word. This deception will save Eureka's life, and then we may all be happy again. I do not like to deceive my friends, replied the tin woodman. Still, my kind heart urges me to save Eureka's life, and I can usually trust my heart to do the right thing. So I will do as you say, friend wizard. After some thought, he placed the little pig inside his funnel-shaped hat, and then put the hat upon his head, and went back to his room to think over his speech to the jury. End of chapter 18 The Wizard Performs Another Trick At three o'clock the throne room was crowded with citizens, men, women, and children being eager to witness the great trial. Princess Ozma, dressed in her most splendid robes of state, sat in the magnificent emerald throne, with her jeweled scepter in her hand, and her sparkling coronet upon her fair brow. Behind her throne stood the twenty-eight officers of her army, and many officials of the royal household. At her right sat the queerly assorted jury, animals, animated dummies, and people, all gravely prepared to listen to what was said. The kitten had been placed in a large cage just before the throne, 
where she sat upon her haunches and gazed through the bars at the crowds around her with seeming unconcern. And now, at a signal from Ozma, the Wogglebug arose and addressed the jury. His tone was pompous, and he strutted up and down in an absurd manner to appear dignified. Your Royal Highness and fellow citizens, he began, the small cat you see a prisoner before you is accused of the crime of first murdering and then eating our esteemed ruler's fat piglet, or else first eating and then murdering it. In either case, a grave crime has been committed, which deserves a grave punishment. Do you mean my kitten must be put in a grave? asked Dorothy. Don't interrupt, little girl, said the Wogglebug. When I get my thoughts arranged in good order, I do not like to have anything upset them or throw them into confusion. If your thoughts were any good, they wouldn't become confused, remarked the Scarecrow earnestly. My thoughts are always— Is this a trial of thoughts or of kittens? demanded the Wogglebug. It's a trial of one kitten, replied the Scarecrow, but your manner is a trial to us all. Let the public accuser continue, called Ozma from her throne, and I pray you do not interrupt him. The criminal who now sits before the court licking her paws, resumed the Wogglebug, has long desired to unlawfully eat the fat piglet, which was no bigger than a mouse. And finally she made a wicked plan to satisfy her depraved appetite for pork. I can see her in my mind's eye. What's that? asked the Scarecrow. I say I can see her in my mind's eye. The mind has no eye, declared the Scarecrow. It's blind. Your Highness, cried the Wogglebug, appealing to Ozma. Have I a mind's eye, or haven't I? If you have, it is invisible, said the princess. Very true, returned the Wogglebug, bowing. I say I see the criminal in my mind's eye, creeping stealthily into the room of our Ozma, and secreting herself when no one was looking, until the princess had gone away and the door was closed. Then the murderer was alone with her helpless victim, the fat piglet. And I see her pounce upon the innocent creature and eat it up. Are you still seeing with your mind's eye? inquired the scarecrow. Of course. How else could I see it? And we know the thing is true, because since the time of that interview, there is no piglet to be found anywhere. I suppose if the cat had been gone instead of the piglet, your mind's eye would see the piglet eating the cat, suggested the scarecrow. Very likely, acknowledged the wogglebug. And now, fellow citizens and creatures of the jury, I assert that so awful a crime deserves death. And in the case of the ferocious criminal before you, who is now washing her face, the death penalty should be inflicted nine times. There was great applause when the speaker sat down. Then the princess spoke in a stern voice. Prisoner, 
What have you to say for yourself? Are you guilty or not guilty? Why, that's for you to find out, replied Eureka. If you can prove I'm guilty, I'll be willing to die nine times. But a mind's eye is no proof, because the Wogglebug has no mind to see with. Never mind, dear, said Dorothy. Then the tin woodman arose and said, Respected jury and dearly beloved Ozma, I pray you not to judge this feline prisoner unfeelingly. I do not think the innocent kitten can be guilty, and surely it is unkind to accuse a luncheon of being a murder. Eureka is the sweet pet of a lovely little girl, whom we all admire, and gentleness and innocence are her chief virtues. Look at the kitten's intelligent eyes. Here Eureka closed her eyes sleepily. Gazed at her smiling countenance. Here Eureka snarled and showed her teeth. Mark the tender pose of her soft, padded little hands. Here Eureka bared her sharp claws and scratched at the bars of the cage. Would such a gentle animal be guilty of eating a fellow creature? No, a thousand times no. Oh, cut it short, said Eureka. You've talked long enough. I'm trying to defend you, remonstrated the tin woodman. Then say something sensible, retorted the kitten. Tell them it would be foolish for me to eat the piglet, because I had sense enough to know it would raise a row if I did. But don't try to make out I'm too innocent to eat a fat piglet if I could do it and not be found out. I imagine it would taste mighty good. Perhaps it would to those who eat, remarked the tin woodman. I myself, not being built to eat, have no personal experience in such matters. But I remember that our great poet once said, To eat is sweet when hunger's seat demands a treat of savory meat. Take this into consideration, friends of the jury, and you will readily decide that the kitten is wrongfully accused and should be set at liberty. When the tin woodman sat down, no one applauded him, for his arguments had not been very convincing, and few believed that he had proved Eureka's innocence. As for the jury, the members whispered to each other for a few minutes. And then they appointed the hungry tiger their spokesman. The huge beast slowly arose and said, Kittens have no consciences, so they eat whatever pleases them. The jury believes the white kitten known as Eureka is guilty of having eaten the piglet owned by Princess Ozma and recommends that she be put to death in punishment of the crime. The judgment of the jury was received with great applause, although Dorothy was sobbing miserably at the fate of her pet. The princess was just about to order Eureka's head chopped off with the tin woodman's axe, when that brilliant personage once more arose and addressed her. Your Highness, said he, see how easy it is for a jury to be mistaken. The kitten could not have eaten your piglet. For here it is. He took off his funnel hat, and from beneath it produced a tiny white piglet, which he held aloft that all might see it clearly. Ozma was delighted and exclaimed eagerly, Give me my pet, Nick Chopper. And all the people cheered and clapped their hands, rejoicing that the prisoner had escaped death 
and been proven to be innocent. As the princess held the white piglet in her arms and stroked its soft hair, she said, Let Eureka out of the cage, for she is no longer a prisoner, but our good friend. Where did you find my missing pet, Nick Chopper? In a room of the palace, he answered. Justice, remarked the scarecrow with a sigh, is a dangerous thing to meddle with. If you hadn't happened to find the piglet, Eureka would surely have been executed. But justice prevailed at the last, said Ozma, for here is my pet, and Eureka is once more free. I refuse to be free, cried the kitten in a sharp voice, unless the wizard can do his trick with eight piglets. If he can produce but seven, then this is not the piglet that was lost, but another one. Hush, Eureka, warned the wizard. Don't be foolish, advised the tin woodman, or you may be sorry for it. The piglet that belonged to the princess wore an emerald collar, said Eureka loudly enough for all to hear. So it did, exclaimed Ozma. This cannot be the one the wizard gave me. Of course not. He had nine of them altogether, declared Eureka, and I must say it was very stingy of him not to let me eat just a few. But now that this foolish trial is ended, I will tell you what really became of your pet piglet. At this, everyone in the throne room suddenly became quiet, and the kitten continued in a calm, mocking tone of voice. I will confess that I intended to eat the little pig for my breakfast. So I crept into the room where it was kept while the princess was dressing and hid myself under a chair. When Ozma went away, she closed the door and left her pet on the table. At once I jumped up and told the piglet not to make a fuss, for he would be inside of me in half a second. But no one can teach one of these creatures to be reasonable. Instead of keeping still so I could eat him comfortably, he trembled so with fear that he fell off the table into a big vase that was standing on the floor. The vase had a very small neck and spread out at the top like a bowl. At first the piglet stuck in the neck of the vase, and I thought I should get him after all. But he wriggled himself through and fell down into the deep bottom part. And I suppose he's there yet. All were astonished at this confession, and Ozma at once sent an officer to her room to fetch the vase. When he returned, the princess looked down the narrow neck of the big ornament and discovered her lost piglet just as Eureka had said she would. There was no way to get the creature out without breaking the vase, so the tin woodman smashed it with his axe and set the little prisoner free. Then the crowd cheered lustily, and Dorothy hugged the kitten in her arms and told her how delighted she was to know that she was innocent. But why didn't you tell us at first? she asked. It would have spoiled the fun, replied the kitten, yawning. Ozma gave the wizard back the piglet he had so kindly allowed Nick Chopper to substitute for the lost one, and then she carried her own into the apartments of the palace where she lived. And now, the trial being over, the good citizens of the Emerald City scattered to their homes, well content with the day's amusement. End of chapter 19
Zeb Returns to the Ranch Eureka was much surprised to find herself in disgrace, but she was, in spite of the fact that she had not eaten the piglet. For the folks of Oz knew the kitten had tried to commit the crime, and that only an accident had prevented her from doing so. Therefore, even the hungry tiger preferred not to associate with her. Eureka was forbidden to wander around the palace and was made to stay in confinement in Dorothy's rooms. So she began to beg her mistress to send her to some other place where she could enjoy herself better. Dorothy was herself anxious to get home, so she promised Eureka they would not stay in the land of Oz much longer. The next evening, after the trial, the little girl begged Ozma to allow her to look in the enchanted picture, and the princess readily consented. She took the child to her room and said, Make your wish, dear, and the picture will show the scene you desire to behold. Then Dorothy found, with the aid of the enchanted picture, that Uncle Henry had returned to the farm in Kansas, and she also saw that both he and Aunt Em were dressed in mourning because they thought their little niece had been killed by the earthquake. Really, said the girl anxiously, I must get back as soon as possible to my own folks. Zeb also wanted to see his home, and although he did not find anyone mourning for him, the sight of Hugson's ranch in the picture made him long to get back there. This is a fine country, and I like all the people that live in it, he told Dorothy. But the fact is, Jam and I don't seem to fit into a fairyland, and the old horse has been begging me to go home ever since he lost the race. So if you can find a way to fix it, we'll be much obliged to you. Ozma can do it easily, replied Dorothy. Tomorrow morning I'll go to Kansas and you can go to California. That last evening was so delightful that the boy will never forget it as long as he lives. They were all together, except Eureka, in the pretty rooms of the princess. And the wizard did some new tricks, and the scarecrow told stories, and the tin woodman sang a love song in a sonorous metallic voice, and everybody laughed and had a good time. Then Dorothy wound up Tick-Tock, and he danced a jig to amuse the company, after which the yellow hen related some of her adventures with the gnome king in the land of Ev. The princess served delicious refreshments to those who were in the habit of eating, and when Dorothy's bedtime arrived, the company separated after exchanging many friendly sentiments. Next morning, they all assembled for the final parting, and many of the officials and courtiers came to look upon the impressive ceremonies. Dorothy held Eureka in her arms and bade her friends a fond goodbye. You must come again sometime, said the little wizard, and she promised she would if she found it possible to do so. But Uncle Henry and Aunt Em need me to help them, she added, so I can't ever be very long away from the farm in Kansas. Ozma wore the magic belt, and when she had kissed Dorothy farewell and had made her wish, the little girl and her kitten disappeared in a twinkling. Where is she? asked Zeb. Rather bewildered by the suddenness of it, greeting her uncle and aunt in Kansas by this time, returned Ozma with a smile. Then Zeb brought out Jim, all harnessed to the buggy, and took his seat.
"'I'm much obliged for all your kindness,' said the boy, "'and very grateful to you for saving my life "'and sending me home again after all the good times I've had. "'I think this is the loveliest country in the world. "'But not being fairies, Jim and I feel we ought to be where we belong, "'and that's at the ranch. Good-bye, everybody.' "'He gave a start and rubbed his eyes.' Jim was trotting along the well-known road, shaking his ears and whisking his tail with contented motion. Just ahead of them were the gates of Hugson's ranch, and Uncle Hugson now came out and stood with uplifted arms and wide-open mouth, staring in amazement. "'Good gracious! It's Seb and Jim, too!' he exclaimed. "'Where in the world have you been, my lad?' "'Why, in the world, Uncle!' answered Zeb with a laugh. End of chapter 20 End of Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz by L. Frank Baum Recording by Phil Chenevere, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, March 2012